Hi, this is Colin Hay, and you're watching Life Minute TV. Born in Melbourne, Australia, Men at Work became hit makers of the 80s with unforgettable number one singles like Who Can It Be Now and Down Under. The group fronted by Scotland-born Colin Hay went on to win a Grammy Award for Best New Artist and sell more than 30 million records worldwide. Though they called it quits in 1985, Hay continued on his musical journey, releasing his solo debut the following year. Over the course of the next three and a half decades, he went on to record 12 more critically acclaimed studio albums. And he's not done working yet. Hay recently released a new solo album, Now in the Evermore, a collection of songs focusing on the joyful celebration of life and love, recorded in his adopted hometown of L.A. The record features a guest appearance from Ringo Starr, whom Hay will tour with this September as part of Ringo's all-star band. We chatted virtually with this multi-talented singer-songwriter about his new album, working with Ringo, and hitting the road with Men at Work, Rick Springfield, and John Waite later this summer. This is a Life Minute with Colin Hay. There's a lot of things about this record that are just a little bit of a step up from the last one. I think you just try and make every record better you know, in, in some in whatever ways you can. Before the pandemic started, I started working on it, but I write songs with a friend of mine that lives up the road, and a guy called Michael Georgiadis, and he had some great ideas for songs, and so he would come over and we would work on them, and it was a pretty a joyous experience. Ultimately, I think there's a lot of things there for people if they, if they care to listen to it. I'd like to think there's some beauty in there and uh, some songs that will make people feel things, which is, which is important, I think. The songs seem to fall to fall into place quite well. And, and then I, I worked with a friend of mine, Fred Cron, who did the string arrangements. And we realized that quite a lot of the songs could benefit from, from real strings. And so we, we recorded some beautiful strings in Nashville. And uh, having Ringo play on the title track was very exciting for me. Well, I'd finished the song now in the Evermore, but I, I, I'd always imagined him playing on it. So I just asked him, and I sent the, uh, you know, I just sent the files over. He played the, played on the track and, and sent it back. So it's exciting for me to have an album, which turns out to be my, my favorite album that I've ever done. And so the first thing you hear on the record is a, a rather, dare I say, an iconic drum fill by, by the great Ringo Starr. So I'm very happy about that. He asked me to play on his tour be part of the Ringo Starr All-Star Band in 2003. I did that tour and then I did a little television special with him and I did a tour in 2008 and then I didn't do anything else for 10 years. And I, I've done the been in the, in the All-Star Band since 2018. What do you expect if you go and see a Ringo? A Ringo tour, you, it, you expect to hear, it's a covers band, you know, but just that we are, we are our own covers band. We cover our own songs and we are, uh, we're side players for everyone else's songs. I think people who go and see a Ringo Starr show know what they're, they're going to get. The time at home, you know, it was a lot of things during the pandemic, but I felt almost guilty because I was happy to be home because I hadn't really been home for that length of time for 30 years. I enjoyed the time being home. I was, I was happy to be, to be there and just kind of take my time when I was working on things and make a little food, take the dog for a walk around the studio. But usually when I'm making music or trying to come up with songs, I I have a little bit of time, a few weeks, and then I tend to, I don't know why I've done this, but I, I, I tend to have a tour booked. And so I go out on the road. And so that kind of process of just being at home and trying to write songs and record them gets uh, interrupted by um, touring. So the difference with this one was I didn't have to go out on the road, so I had more time to spend on it. So that was a nice thing and quite welcome to uh, 
have that extra time to sometimes it's good just to let something marinate for a little while and uh, sometimes that changes things my friend michael george addis came over he came over with a musical idea which i really liked and he just said one phrase he said love is everywhere and so i like that title and especially when you switch on the news and you real and, and you're confronted with so much malevolence uh, on a grand scale it's hard sometimes to remember that there is that love that in fact love exists so that's why i think we persevered with that song and um i just went down to my friend chad fisher's house and i asked him if he could come up with something for a video because he has great skill in that area and so i just recorded some stuff in front of a green screen and cecilia my wife did the same thing that's what he came up with so it was really his thing doing that so which which i loved it was a came up with a, what I think is a, a beautiful clip to look at with a lot of love in there. It wasn't a conscious decision. It was just something that I enjoyed doing and, and it was something that I found myself doing. It wasn't like I consciously thought, oh, I'm going to write songs, I'm going to be a musician, but I just found myself writing little songs from when I was 13 or 14 years old. And uh, I guess I must have liked it because I kept doing it. Music was just really presented to me in a way because when I was five, my mother and father had a music shop. My mother and father are both musical. My father could sing and dance and was on the stage when he was young. So it seemed like a logical world to be part of. And uh, I, just, I discovered the Beatles and, and other bands, but mainly uh, the Beatles were it for me. And so they opened a door uh, which to a world that I didn't really quite understand, but I, I knew that I wanted to be part of. And I also became obsessed when I first had Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. I became infatuated with that world. I could only wonder at where that music had come from. And my brother got me, uh, turned me on to Stax music more, uh, like you introduced me to Otis Redding and uh, Booker T and the MGs and black music, which I, which I grew to love. When I went to Australia, the first show that I went into at Festival Hall was this solo concert by Jose Feliciano. He was so extraordinary, just one guy and a guitar. And that was so inspiring to me. And I, I look back on that thinking, well, that's about as impressive as you can get. This one guy with a guitar who was playing to, you know, 10, 15,000 people and keeping them captivated. If you asked him if his younger self would believe he'd be playing with a Beatle one day. Well, I don't think I would have believed it if I, if I, someone had told me that. Though Men at Work won Best New Artist in 1983, winning that award was not the most memorable part of the night. Well, the things that I remember most and things that were most exciting to me were not so much what happened to me, but it was more about who I was in the company of. Uh, when we were backstage, for example, at the Grammys when I was there, our dressing room was next to Miles Davis, which was next to Lena Horne, which was next to Ella Fitzgerald, which was next to Ray Charles, and were all these you know, people that I admired. That's what I remember more about anything else than, than just being in that formidable company. With a collab with Ringo under his belt, is there anyone else he'd love to work with? Yeah, I mean, I haven't done a lot of that. I haven't done really a lot of collaborating. I, I tend to work pretty much on my own, but um, you know, I'd like to write a lot. I'd, I'd still like to write a song with Snoop Dogg. Men at Work's huge hits have definitely withstood the test of time, and Hay knew from their inception that these songs had something special. We did have a feeling we were we had the you know the goosebump test where you're playing and playing them back in the studio, and they, they made us all feel pretty excited. 
I like to just think because there's some kind of quality to the song, which is rooted down to the earth. There's something that people get from the song at some kind of elemental level. You can't really put your finger on it, but uh, it seems to cross cultures and language and generations and uh, time. And you can't really tell whether a song's gonna have that kind of longevity until a certain amount of time goes by. So I'm just, you know, grateful that that's, that that has happened for yeah, not only Down Under, but for a number of other songs that people seem to keep enjoying and keep coming to see, not just, you know, people my generation, but younger people seem to come along and more and more actually who are picking up on the on the songs. But also I'm very lucky because most people that come and see me play are, are anxious to hear new songs, which I'm, I'm really grateful for because it would be a little bit glum if people were only coming for the old songs. Not that I've got anything against the old songs, but you have to keep moving forward and hopefully people move forward with you and, and accept what you're doing. I love the hits, don't get me wrong. They've enabled me to continue to have a career, but I still make, I still like making um, making new music. That's, that's what is it more exciting for me? I was living in a little flat in, uh, in St Kilda in Melbourne uh, in 1979 or something. And uh, it seemed that everyone who came to my door, I didn't want to see them. They were either people looking for drugs or they were police or they were social security people or whoever they were, I didn't want to open the door. I would sneak up and look through the fisheye lens just to make sure it was someone that I that I knew. And, but down under, you know, I, I arrived in Australia as an immigrant. I always had this awestruck by the place. And, but I, I, I didn't like what I was seeing about what was happening to what I perceived anyway to be the desecration of, of old growth forests and coastal regions and being developed in a way that I thought was quite by the corporations and government trying to make lots of financial gains for which I thought were not particularly good for the country in the short term or the long term. You know, I was a hippie, you know, and I was, a, you know, I was always a tree hugger. That's the kind of person that I was. And I thought that, you know, it was being developed in a very kind of crass way, and I suppose. And I thought there was a lot of unconsciousness about the true uniqueness and beauty of the country. So that's where the idea for the chorus was about the plundering of the country. And the, the verses were a satirical look really about the stereotypical Australian traveling overseas, influenced by a, a very famous Australian named uh, Barry Humphreys, who, who had a character called Barry McKenzie, who I was a huge fan of. But in the end, I think, um, ultimately it's a song about celebration, um, not particularly a flag-waving celebration, but a celebration nonetheless of the spirit of wherever you're from whether it's Australia or wherever else you're from, is that we have to be better caretakers of whatever community you're in or whatever town you live in or state you live in or country you live in or the fact that we're you know, wandering around this planet. I think that's the case, is the fact that we have to do a better job of, of living on this planet in a more sustainable way. When this men at work isn't working, you can find him enjoying the simple things in life. I, 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 don't, I don't really, I do simple things. I don't have any hobbies really. I try and, you know, get better at playing the guitar and I hang out with my wife, you know, and uh, take the dog for a walk, cook a bit of food, that's it. And go on the road and make records. That's really my life. When it comes to his best life advice, his motto is simple. Get on with it. And what is this successful musician most proud of in his career? Well, still being alive mainly, because it could have gone the other way at any point in my past. But I'm glad that I, I made it through to where I am. And I'm just, um, you know, I'm pretty much just happy to, be, happy to be still walking around. To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.